from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that huffs and puffs about history every day of the week. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're talking about one of the earliest major successes of Walt Disney Studios, an experimental animated short that left a lasting impression on the public and helped pave the way for everything from Bugs Bunny to Snow White. The day was May 27, 1933. The animated short Three Little Pigs premiered at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Directed by Disney Studios regular Burt Gillette, this musical version of the classic fable told the story of three little pigs and the different lengths they went to to avoid being eaten by the big bad wolf. The first two pigs are depicted as carefree and naive. They hastily assemble their houses from straw and sticks respectively and then gloat about how much time they have left over. The third pig, however, has a much stricter work ethic. He uses bricks to build his house, and while the effort leaves him with much less free time, he's confident that the added security will make it all worthwhile. He's eventually proven right, as the big bad wolf has no trouble blowing down the first two flimsy houses, but no matter how hard he huffs and puffs, the brick-built house never gives way. When the short was first released, it was a milestone in more ways than one. 
Not only was it the first cartoon to generate a hit song, the Depression-era anthem Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, it also pushed the scope of animated characterization to a whole new level. That evolution was largely by design. Three Little Pigs was one of 75 Silly Symphony cartoons produced by Disney between 1929 and 1939. This series was produced alongside the studio's popular Mickey Mouse shorts, but unlike those, Silly Symphonies were mainly standalone stories that didn't feature recurring characters or themes. The only uniting feature of the series was its focus on music, with each short being set to a different piece. Over time, though, Silly Symphonies became a testing ground for new animation styles and techniques. For example, 1937's The Old Mill made several technical and aesthetic strides, including the use of special lighting effects to achieve a greater sense of realism, and multi-plane photography to add new levels of depth to 2D animation. The goal with Three Little Pigs, on the other hand, was to push the envelope of character animation. Because the film starred three almost identical pigs, the designers and animators knew they would have to come up with other ways to give each character a distinct personality. Part of the solution to that challenge came from Walt Disney himself. He insisted the pigs be portrayed as human-like characters. Since they lived in houses, he wanted them to wear clothes as well. The pigs' outfits were a chance to reflect their different character traits. The first two pigs wore much more youthful costumes, complete with decorative touches like bows and ribbons, while the third pig dressed more sensibly, in a pair of overalls. To further these distinctions, character designer Albert Herder assigned each pig a unique object and a name derived from that object. Fiddler Pig got a fiddle, and Pfeiffer Pig got, you guessed it, a fife. Practical Pig's tool of choice was a trowel instead of a musical instrument, though in the final sequence of the short he does play a piano, which is also made out of bricks. These expressive elements were brought to life by lead animator Fred Moore, and then combined with equally distinctive vocal performances and music. The result was a breakthrough in character animation, one that prompted Walt Disney to proudly proclaim, quote, At last, we have achieved true personality in a whole picture. Before we go any further, though, I want to mention an ugly aspect of Three Little Pigs that's often overlooked today. In the short's original release, the Big Bad Wolf briefly disguises himself as a stereotypical Jewish peddler. He knocks at the door of the third pig's house and tries to trick them into coming out by pretending to be a brush salesman. Wearing glasses and a long false nose and beard, the wolf speaks with a Yiddish accent an unfortunate example of the casual stereotyping that was common in popular entertainment at the time. The scene played without much controversy in 1933, but after World War II, it was viewed much differently. Disney Studios elected to change the scene for the short's 1948 re-release. The wolf was reanimated to remove the offensive disguise, and his lines were re-recorded without the Yiddish accent. The original sequence remains a dark counterpoint to the development of character animation seen elsewhere in the short. It showed that expressive animation and sound could be effective tools for creating not only joy, but pain as well. 
More key to the film's success was its standout use of music and sound. In the original outline for the short, Walt Disney suggested making it an operetta, with all the dialogue being rhymed and sung through. Composer and songwriter Frank Churchill was entrusted with that task, and the score he provided integrated perfectly with the on-screen action. But the real star of the soundtrack was Churchill's original song, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf? Let's take a listen. You can play and laugh and fiddle. Don't think you can make me sore. I'll be safe and you'll be sorry when the wolf comes to your door. <laughs> The song is never played straight through in the film, but is instead delivered in fragments in between moments of action. Despite this stop-and-start presentation, the theme song struck a chord with American moviegoers and became a popular tune in its own right, even apart from the short. Released in the middle of the Great Depression, the song and the film it belonged to came to symbolize the optimism and resilience of the American public, even when the big bad wolf of economic scarcity was pounding at their door. The success of the song caught Disney Studios off guard. It's hard to imagine now in the era of Let It Go and We Don't Talk About Bruno, but back then, animation had yet to produce an original hit song. That changed with Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, as customers began storming their local music stores in hopes of buying the sheet music to play at home. This was such an unexpected development that Disney musicians had to copy the words and music directly from the screen in order to meet the public demand as fast as possible. In the meantime, audiences got their fix of the song by going to see the short again and again. Three Little Pigs proved so popular that it was often given top billing on theater marquees above the feature film it accompanied, which was originally a baseball comedy called Elmer the Great. The short's theatrical run was repeatedly extended due to popular demand, often outlasting the features it played in front of. At one New York theater, the manager famously modified the film's poster by adding little beards to the pigs' faces, which he would then make longer each week the short continued to run. Even after months in theaters, people still couldn't get enough of the three little pigs. The popularity spurred an unprecedented amount of merchandise including storybooks, figurines, clocks, soap, and just about anything else you could think of. Achieving yet another notable first, Three Little Pigs became the first film to make more money from merchandising royalties than it did from ticket sales, a prospect that Disney and other studios noted with great interest. Aside from raking in a ton of cash, the short also won the Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film in 1934. Three Little Pigs was a moneymaker for everyone involved, so much so that theater owners were quick to ask Walt Disney to make more shorts featuring the characters. Walt was initially hesitant to return to the well, reportedly rebuffing the request by saying, quote, You can't top pigs with pigs. He would ultimately go back on that mantra by producing not one, but three sequel shorts The Big Bad Wolf in 1934. Three Little Wolves in 1936, and The Practical Pig in 1939. 
Though they were all modest successes in theaters, none of those shorts matched the cultural relevance or staying power of the original, proving that Walt was right to begin with. You can't top pigs with pigs. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, please send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. I'd love to know your favorite part of Three Little Pigs. Mine are the framed pictures hanging inside the brick house. One shows a sow feeding several piglets and is labeled Mother. Another shows a football labeled Uncle Otto. And two more show a chain of sausage links and a ham hock, both of which are labeled Father. It's a decidedly dark visual gag and an otherwise lighthearted short. You know, apart from the anti-Semitism. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today.